When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For over 20 years, Dr. James Maxwell and his team at Crestwood Dental have been providing quality care to patients of all ages. They offer a variety of services from cleanings to cosmetic dentistry and restorations with today's most advanced technology, including the most up-to-date lasers, digital x-rays, and impressions. They offer Invisalign and custom aligners with their 3D printer. Crestwood Dental accepts most insurance plans and a membership program for uninsured patients. Schedule today at 314-463-5655 or Crestwood dental.com This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. It's Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, and our homeboy Jamie Rivers, former Blue defenseman and team member at 101 ESPN. I don't know why, but in watching Jeff set the board up today... And go through the steps. It's like I can hear the motors moving in his head. I, maybe that's why I'm and laughing. And the motor needs oil. <laughs> it's like a it's like a half drunk hamster running in a wheel up there. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. Half drunk. I appreciate that. Thank yeah, very much. Looks kind of chipper today, so wow. we'll go with half drunk. Wow, 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 Man, um, dudes! I got to tell you what, and I'm normally not like I don't know what is going on. I don't know if it's the time of day in which that I'm walking or what. But, like, I today, more than I don't remember when, I'm so eaten up by mosquitoes and stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I have got to figure out either I'm going to either walk, like, when I get home today when it's a little hotter or... I mean, I, maybe I got to invest in one of those beekeeper suits to do my to do my walks in because, dude, my arms are just chewed Quite, up. Is it just where your skin is exposed, or are you getting bit over the skin too? Huh? I mean, over the shirt too. Sorry, both. Okay, both. I can help you out a little bit at least with the, uh, what is covered with clothing because I'm in the woods all the time. Yeah. Obviously, sometimes hiking, sometimes I'm just lost. <laughs> uh, but. I found out not too long ago, and maybe you already know this, but when you spray, you know how you get there wherever you're going, and then you spray yourself down, and you go for your walk. Supposedly, you're supposed to spray your your clothes and your shoes and everything several minutes before you even get out there, like 20 minutes before you're even hiking, and that's supposed to help. Where did huh. you hear this? I, I think I like heard, I want your source. I think I heard it on the internet. I think I read it in, oh, a, it in a hiking tr- book or something. <laughs> it was on Wikipedia, but, but it was no, it wasn't on Wikipedia. It was something where it, therefore it can soak into the fibers of your clothes, and it's more effective that way. Huh. I, I could be completely wrong. I'm willing to try it, man, yeah. because I, if I don't have malaria, it's really a, an, <laughs> an act of God, man. And, and, and we're all joking about that, right? I we're should, laughing. I guess. I, guess I heard you're supposed oh, to uh, when you're really bad out in the woods. I heard you're supposed to take. Now, hear me out here, uh-huh. okay? 
You're supposed to take butter, not margarine, but butter, and just a light little coat of butter on your exposed skin, and the scent or whatever drives them away. You don't have to cover yourself from head to toe, but the scent apparently drives them away. But see, if if that's me in the woods with somebody else and they've got butter on them, I think that it would make me want to lick them. I'd want to go to the movie theater. Okay, let's let's make things clear here. Do not put the butter on you if you're walking with Jeff. Okay. Apparently me too. I'm just saying because you know Jeff can he can only handle so much. Too much spray, applying the bug spray in the wrong way may pose a risk, especially for young children. Apply sunscreen first. Okay, that's step one. Put it on smoothly and evenly, but not too much of it. This is the bug spray. Uh-huh. Don't spray under your clothes. Okay. Uh, mm. No under the carpet, huh? No under the <laughs> – use your hands for sensitive, hard-to-reach spots. You know what that place is. Right. Do you really uh, want your hands down there with that stuff on? <laughs> the hands are going to be there anyway. saying, like... Don't forget your ankles and your feet. Take extra care of the kids. Reapply only when necessary. Uh, it doesn't say my thing, but I, I can't read the whole thing right yeah, now. It's fine. It, it's, it, 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 it is what it is. big words. Yeah, no, we, let's just spend more time <laughs> watching you read. <laughs> you know, I honestly have a legit hockey question to start, well, to start us early? off. I know, this early in the show, go figure. <laughs> I had another question for you guys, but it's not hockey, so. Well, do you want to do that first, and then we can go into my hockey? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, I told we... you, eight and a half in meatloaf. Oh, seriously, Jeff, now, come on now. This is the real world. I can't. Now. We had a debate going. You don't think I like meatloaf? I'm just going to power through this. We had had a debate going last week about corn on the cob. All right. And we went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And no, Jeff, not eating it the long way. Okay. So the corn on the cob. Are you somebody who eats it on the cob or do you take a knife and scrape it off and then eat it off your plate? It turned into a massive debate. Okay, well, first I heard of all, most of it. Did you? I, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, I don't know what kind of communist cuts the corn off the cob. Well, <laughs> I mean, my, I mean, old, my oldest must be a communist because she is a she is a cutter. My my wow. well, my a corn cutter. Corn cutter. Sorry, yeah, let's... sorry, I am not joking about that particular <laughs> no, ailment. No, I apologize. My youngest Dexter is the, is the same way, and I just I'm befuddled by it. No, man, yeah. I, I mean, there's no. There's no reason to. I don't think anyway. Are you going to put a stop to it with Dexter? Like, are you going to make him do corn like, on the cob? No, no buddy. He's a, he's a good kid. I, no. I mean, you got to go straight time out. You see that kid take a knife and you're like, hey, yeah. buddy, time out. Uh, you, away from have, the table. And give cell, me your corn. Does he have a cell phone yet? He does not. Okay, no. give it to him just to take it away. Right. That would be a good idea. Here, son, here's your phone. An hour later, by the way, you're losing it. because the They tell us as parents to pick our battles. So this is one of those <laughs> yeah. battles I'm supposed this to pick. Totally one. This is way so, too important. What I need a ruling on is okay. that uh, with BK on the uh, midday show with myself and Alex Ferrario runs the boards on the midday show, they both are corn cutters off of the cob, which I was like, okay, you guys are psychopaths, first of all. But second of all, then, this is what I need a ruling on, is they both agreed that if they're at a family function or out in public or a big barbecue, that they will not cut the corn off the cob. They'll eat it on the cob because they don't want to look weird. What? I I said, so then what do you... So you're a flippy floppy, right? Like you're a a hypocrite, basically. Uh Because at home you want to knife it off, but then when people are looking, you're not man what enough. Else, what else are let they me, doing at home that we don't know about? That's right. Let me, let me go ahead and tackle this one. Sure. Uh, I don't understand, if you're at a barbecue, why you give a shit what anybody thinks of how you eat your corn 
within reason. Yeah, but you, especially you know, a barbecue. You got like, corn on your face, you wipe it on the ground. You don't want to eat it with your butt. No, your feet, you know, then okay, I get the dirty looks, but if you're just cutting off corn, who gives a shit? There are bigger things in the world, and then why are you hiding that? Be yeah. who you are. But that's my point, right? So they wanted to argue with me for like 20 minutes about how they cut it off and how I'm crazy because I get it all over me and my eyebrows, and I'm like, first of all, that's part of the fun. Dude, and again, it's barbecue. It's like Jeff said. Right, and here's the other thing. Uh, if they are changing their behavior when they're in public, they yeah. know they're wrong. There you go. If they think that it's right to cut it off, why aren't you doing it in front of everybody else? Alex, <laughs> if that's even your real name. <laughs> I don't even know this guy anymore. <laughs> right. Who is this Alex yeah. Ferrario that we His thought His first we name's knew. probably Chad or something. <laughs> Chad or Brad. Or Tyler. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the debate we had, and I was like, Beside myself, because first of all, I didn't really even know that people cut it off unless they were two years old. Right. You know, yeah. and then hearing those two guys like say, absolutely. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, that's a, that's a gross. If I saw like, like, for instance, if we were at a barbecue and I saw my brother, my younger brother cutting the corn off like, oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> Dude, I would. I, I mean, my brother and I give each other shit about everything, so, so that would, would just be another thing. I would look thing. down to see if the shoes were properly tied. <laughs> right. That's what I would right. do. Are you okay, brother? What's his name? Uh, What's Aaron. His, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron yeah. With the two A's. I wasn't All right. Sure. Well, sorry, boys. I didn't mean to derail us because, you know, we are so oh, focused. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. so structured yeah. over here. I yeah. do believe uh, the man over to my right had a hockey question. Yes. I do, and, and it's a bit of a, you know, man, it's a bit of a, a, a serious one. So, so, and this is just kind of sports in general. And this popped into my head when I saw over the weekend or on Monday when it was like those five or six Houston football players all tested positive for, for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Guys, what are the chances that we don't actually get sports this year because of that? How is the NHL, Major League Baseball, they're in their own universe, NBA, how are they going to handle that if one of those pods of six players or whatever that we talk about get COVID? You know, that's a great question. Nobody has said, hey, if this happens, this is what we're going to do, right? And I mean, if one team goes down, I mean, to me, I just am starting to think about this like sort of a little more logically. I think it's a is it a five minute major? Is that what happens? Somebody. (laughs) Five minutes for COVID. Referee's discretion. But guys, I mean, <laughs> but guys, you're seeing you're seeing players. Ezekiel Elliott mm-hmm. t- tested positive. Hard to believe he tested positive. He was at that party with a hundred plus people at Dak Prescott's. Yeah, I don't get it. Right? I mean, dude, I couldn't believe he got it, dude. That that that, that guy. I liked that guy so much, and then he got popped going 110 in Winsville with a 13 year old in the back of the car. Or whatever that was. Yeah. No, that was Sheldon Richardson. I'm sorry, that was not Ezekiel Elliott. Let's just blame him anyway. But just, it just, just ridiculousness. But, but I, yeah, I saw that. I saw that too. But like, what are they going to do? Like, what, what is, what is going to happen? Well, I, I, you can't just call somebody up. No, somebody well, gets- no. But they are going to have a taxi squad, right? So they're going to have a larger number of roster players that you can carry for that specific reason. Not just that one, but also. Injuries could be more prominent just overall, like groins, back, shoulder, whatever it is. So they're allowing you to have more than what you're supposed to have. Now, to your point about the COVID question, if they test positive, every commissioner, you know, we'll leave Rob Manfred out of this because baseball can't even find their own butthole right Right. now. Um, But every commissioner has said, you know, it's going to be handled on a, you know, 
that situation. Each situation will be unique to itself, and we'll find out, you know, the contact tracing. First of all, who have you been around, who are you with, and that. And then we're going to try and quarantine guys. But I think, to, to my knowledge right now, I think what they're doing is, is lo- unless it's a – as long as, rather, it's not a massive infection – if it's two or three guys, they're going to quarantine those two or three guys, and then you're allowed two or three call-ups. And those guys will go on the IR. It'll be the 10-day IR that they go on to, and then they get tested at the end of that. And if they're okay, they come back. So it could have major implications, especially in basketball and hockey. They're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? So could have major implications. If you have a team that, let's say, hypothetically, Tampa Bay Lightning, they got a team that you know they think is built for a Stanley Cup this year. Well, if they get two, three guys infected with COVID-19, what if it's Stamkos and, you know, Hedman and the goalie, Vasilevsky? Well, there goes your team. Yeah. So, but I don't think they can, they can't pause the league because at this point it's already drugged on so long. You're going to be pressed for for time with the schedule leading into next season anyways. I think it's going to be proceed as normal, trying quarantine those that are directly affected they are going to be testing daily. So there isn't there shouldn't be someone who slips through the cracks. Sure. So if they test positive, then you'll try and do the contact tracing and then after that it will be testing everybody again the next morning and see if there's anybody else that's coming out with it. Have they done uh, an announcement on the hub cities yet or no? Well, here's Or is it kind of understood at this point? Here's what I here's what I know. Vegas is going to be one of them for sure. And the Canadian government yesterday, the prime minister, said that he would do everything in his power to reassure the NHL that they could have a hub city in Canada. Because that was a big debate for a while because their their restrictions had been so heavy that they're like, anybody coming into the country, 14-day automatic quarantine. Well, obviously, that doesn't work with playing pro sports. So he, he said that he would be happy to entertain Vancouver, Edmonton, or Toronto as a hub city. I think Toronto is going to be the one. They have the most available area, arena. They also have the highest population, so that could get kind of sticky too. But with Vegas being in the western you know, Pacific time zone or mountain time zone, you don't want Vancouver and Edmonton because what is your viewership going to be for like on the East Coast? Mm, yeah. It's two, three hours later. So if you have a primetime game at 7, it's 10 o'clock at night, how many people you're losing your audience? So you've got to make sure, in my opinion – that you have a team on the East Coast, and then you can do double headers. Your TV stations can be one game at 7, one game at 10, 15, and you're banging those out, and then you'll have games throughout the day, same thing, you know? So it's going to be interesting. And how do you – so the scheduling is going to work So because we're pretty used to having, you know, on a regular playoff day, you'd have a couple games that started at 6 and then a couple of games that started at 9. I mean, are we going to be getting games at – Noon, three, six, nine. Like, is it going to be an all-day thing? It seems yeah. that way, and I think most of us, at least uh, right now, would be okay with it. Oh, God. Right? Abs- yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that wasn't the issue, obviously. You're I'm down for whatever. If. Just, yeah. 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 Like, How like it all breaks down. We have the possibility of watching four games a day or something yeah. like that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think for the, the play-in round for the bottom teams um, and then the round robin to d- establish the top seeds, yeah, you're going to get games at, like, all times of the day because they have to get them in. And then, obviously, as the playoffs go deeper, you're you know you're shrinking the amount of teams, so you'll be able to establish more prime time sure. viewing times. And guess what? They're going to go with the biggest games. Yeah. If if it's St. Louis, let's say, and Chicago, 
they're not playing at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. That team is going to play at 7 p.m. at night because that's going to be where you get the most viewership, the best ratings, and you know what I'm saying? I you know love what the I fact just, that he's talking about the Blues there and not the Blackhawks. But you know what I, but you know what I just heard in my head? I, but, you know, as he's saying that, I can hear that friggin' bald douchebag talking about how great Duncan Keith is. Oh, yes. And how great friggin' how great the city of Chicago is. How, oh, God, Pierre Maguire, he's drunk with Blackhawk love, and I hate it. That's I, the only thing I don't look forward. Kerber was he on the Blackhawk, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Kerber was on the uh, on the morning show today, and he said that Chicago is one of the team that's teams that's already practicing. And is that true because they suck, so they have to start practicing before everybody else? Yeah, well, is they're not practicing. Practicing, they're uh, just uh, skating. Yeah, they're not allowed to practice. Uh, it's certainly not at their facility. They're allowed. They can do whatever they want. If they want to go rent ice in suburban Chicago and put twenty guys on the ice, then yeah, they're allowed to do that. But under team facility and NHL guidelines, right now, it's supposed to be groups of five or six. Mm. So, and the Blues are starting up here. Uh, was with a couple of the guys this morning. Actually, Pat Maroon had a whole group going too, and. You know, they asked us to come out and, and do some work with them, do some skill stuff, trying to get the motors going I, uh, again. But I had to work, so I, yeah. so I, so I yeah. sent Jamie. So yeah, Jeff, good, yeah. Jeff sent me instead, yeah. which was very nice. I yeah. appreciate that. Did the you, guys were a little skeptical my, at first. But... <laughs> did you bring my cup back? Or... Yeah, uh, no, actually, I'm eating a salad out of it later. Oh, oh my <laughs> Just because you can doesn't I, mean you should. I actually kind of liked the reference. So, what was the feeling like when everybody was on the ice? Was it was it just excitement? Or? Yeah, guys are guys are excited. Guys are you know, look, they're not apprehensive. They're they're kind of being cautious with their emotions because, to your point earlier, Donnie, it, it could all blow up, right? Yeah. And they do all this stuff, and it's for nothing. And so, guys are you know baby steps right now, and some guys are in great shape. Some guys need the work, um, certainly, and that's why you know they're on the ice early. Uh, I some love guys the look on his face because <laughs> I, <know, yeah>. <laughs> I know in his head he's going, "Ooh, that dude's a little fat." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you don't want to give up the names either because you're a professional, right? And that's fine, and that's great. But but I just just knowing that it's bouncing around up there with the smirk makes me laugh. Some guys <laughs> are. Um, uh, dragging a Buick behind them out oh. there. Okay, is it one of those when they're skating? You say lift the shirt and let the other guy out. I want to look for the plow behind them. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then I ask Pull him if they're the skating shoot. uphill. <laughs> so, so like, so do do the Blues management? I don't, I don't know the best way to ask this. So, obviously, we know the rules, what mm-hmm. they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. But is the but are the Blues management going? Oh, I hope these guys are out here doing this on their own or that on their own. Or is there an indirect channel of communication to make sure that the dudes are keeping their shit together? Not right now for the on ice product. Okay. Now the off ice conditioning. Yeah, the Blues have had their strength and conditioning coach have several Zoom meetings, telephone calls, text. So those messages. dudes are still on. They should be, okay? Mm-hmm. If they're not, then that's their choice, and then it's the team's choice at that point to see what they want to do with them when they come back. If they're that far outside the lines as far as being in shape, then you could get, see a guy be suspended or just put on the IR and you know not play, which would yeah. be a tough situation. Now, the Blues, it doesn't look like they have anybody like that. You know, yeah. they, They're in pretty good shape. They're ready to go, and the management hasn't been worried about what these guys do. Guys, like let's be honest here, the last two summers – uh, two summers ago leading up to the Stanley Cup championship and then past summer as they come in to defend it, these guys have been on the ice like animals. 
you know, we were skating them for a month, a month and a half before the season started. These guys are getting after it. So this quarantine, as long and as painful as it's been for everybody in different directions, these guys are still dialed in. They're ready to go. How do how do how do pro players take criticism? And how do they take criticism? Obviously, you're working with them and they know that you're there for a reason. They trust you, they they respect you. But how do I mean, but these are finely tuned athletes. How do they take it when you say that drill was terrible or you gotta do that again or you gotta like like how is their response to to you and how do they take that kind of coaching? Well, and I know it's a player-by-player player thing because everybody's yeah, different. Yeah, no, every, but, everybody's different. Yeah. But for me, like, look, I played a long time. And so the respect is there. And they look at the grizzled guy who is still doing all this stuff. And to be quite honest, my skills are still really sharp. And I do it every day, right? So I'm used to doing this stuff and I'm dissecting games. and that. So when I'm telling them stuff, I know exactly what I'm talking about. And not only that, I can execute it. And so when they look at me... They got a gray beard and this dude sitting over here and he's executing it perfect. Then maybe I should listen. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a great way of doing it. I mm-hmm. have fun with it, right? Because if it becomes problematic or annoying to do it, like then nobody wins. Then they turn you off. So I'm, you guys know my humor. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I use that. And I'll just give to be, yeah, well, that was terrible. My eyes are bleeding. Let's do it again. You know, yeah. this time let's do this. And then they start to laugh and guys rib each other. They get back in, they do it again. And, you know, I explain things very seriously. I tell them why we're doing it. I tell them in what situations they can use it. I tell them specific games where I've seen them where they could use a skill or two. And then they go, okay, this guy's he's on to his shit, you know? And that's an amazing thing to be able to do as a coach because I've always thought from a baseball standpoint, the hitting coach for Mark McGuire, you know, the hitting coach for Tony Gwynn. <laughs> right. Okay, what are you going to tell Tony Gwynn? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> So it's not more about, well, you should raise your stick this way and you should really break your wrist when you're hit. It's more of a strategy thing yep. and, and do it again. Let's do it again. Not necessarily you suck at it, but repetition is what's going to help. Let's do it again, boys. That's and there's what. always a way to make it better. There's always a way to put more polish on it. And a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, who works so hard at everything and he works on his skills, and as you watch him, you'll see one little thing. And I'll be able to go, you know what? You can get the puck off just a bit quicker if you shift your body this way just a bit. Now you don't even have to stick handle the puck. You shift your body and you're in a shooting position. Whereas before, you're getting the puck. Now you're having to load it back and then take your shot. Takes an extra split second where somebody's going to put their stick in the lane and deflect that thing out of the way. Rather than do that as the puck's coming, shift your body with the puck. Now you can release Let it. The puck do the work. The stick can't get there. To block it. Yeah. So then they go, you know what? Yeah, that makes sense. So even though he's one of the best skilled players in the NHL, there's always a way to just put a little bit of polish on it. How fucking cool is this? If we had him at spinning wheels. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'd still be rolling, Donnie. Dude, I was so engrossed in what he was saying. Like, he could have said anything. And I, no, was, I was like, uh-huh. So you pull the puck back and then you do what, Mr. Rivers? Dude, that's that's amazing. But I was telling, and I've told you this before, Jamie, and I've said this to Jeff, but I ran into BK in the, in the lunchroom a couple days ago, and we were just talking about, man, like, you're ability to break down plays and break down the game so that I, as somebody that's never played, can understand it has been an amazing thing for me to find the last couple years. I feel like I'm a better hockey fan 
for the way that you break that shit down, man. And I just, dude, I, I could listen to you do that stuff all day, man. You know what the secret sauce is? For real. Is coaching children. Okay? And hear me out. Little kids have no idea what you're saying about your release point, hand position, all this stuff. Like, they're going to look at you and be like, this guy is just talking smack. Right? Right. So you have to go somewhere to where you're giving them the same terminology so that they don't lose that terminology through the course of their lives or careers. But you got to simplify it so they understand what you're talking about. So for me, that's been a huge advantage because if I'm explaining it to a five- and six-year-old how to do things, and then as they get older, obviously the vocabulary changes just a bit, but the key words stay the same. Mm -hmm. And now, so when I dissect plays for television, radio, or anything at all, if we're just talking like this, you know, I use that same thing to make sure the information is getting there clearly and that you understand, and that's the ability from coaching kids. You just told us you're talking to us like we're five. That's what you just Amen. said. Whatever works. Jeff, words. I did mention that I'd have to communicate at your level. So <laughs> if you're saying it's level five, then fine. Wait, real quick before we go, because we, because we got to go, because we got to go. The, the kid, the, the GM in Buffalo gets axed. Yesterday. Yeah, that's weird. Is it the timing of it that's weird? Is it? Is it? Do you think that he should have gotten it sooner? Do you think the Ryan O'Reilly trade in and of itself is enough to it cost the man his job? I guarantee it was but, noted. But, but, yeah. What, what do you? What do you? What do you see there? Well, I see a guy, a young guy, in Jason Botterill, who was given a real good opportunity, but like only half given that opportunity because he had a lot of garbage there that he had to siphon through and some bad contracts he had to work through in the last couple of years. Yeah, he made a really bad trade with Ryan O'Reilly. That one turned and, and bit him in the ass more than anything ever, and then he ended up firing his first coach two years in. He really couldn't get his footing at that point. So the combination of that and, quite honestly, the guy that's stepping in, Kevin Adams, he's a fucking weasel. He's a weasel. Oh, boy. And you mean that in a good or a bad way? No, in a bad way. Really? Like, he's the kind of guy that would be highlighting all the mistakes and the problems, oh. maybe the miscommunication, the lack of development in the minors, and doing all this stuff, and then presenting it to Kim and Terry Pagula. Well, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I'm seeing. And you just get enough of those nudges, right? And then after a while, you think to yourself, huh, well, this guy's doing it wrong, and damn, this guy seems to know exactly what he's talking about. The problem is, is it's easy to find the mistakes. Yeah. It's very difficult to implement the solutions. Wait, so so this guy, the new coach you're talking about was the weasel? The GM. GM. He's oh, the, now the acting GM. He's now, okay, so the new GM, where was he before? He was like player personnel. In the same organization. In the same yeah. organization. So this dick, as opposed to going, hey, GM, maybe we should do this, just wrote down all of his yep. indiscretions 100%. and went over his head and said, hey, I can do this better. Literally it would wow. be it literally would be like us having a show in here and, you know, we have some better ideas or some things that we can improve or stuff that you don't like about me or I don't like about you guys. But instead of having a beer and talking about it and working together to get the solutions, I just go to the boss and be like, yeah, Jeff's just not into it. You know, mm. he has a hard time working the Adobe. Jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy, that's true. And what's crazy is, is that supposedly, and and the reason that I know about this is because the Pagoulas own the Bills as well. Oh, that's right. It's Buffalo. But supposedly, Sean McDermott, the Bills head coach, had had a conversation with Kim and Terry Pagula because the atmosphere in that, in the Buffalo 
Sabres organization was kind of bleeding through to other parts of the Bakula business, and McDermott was afraid that it was going to mess with the culture that they've got going on with the Bills right now, which is really good, and they don't need it messed up. So it was just, I just thought that that trade in and of itself might be enough to, to get dude... The, the the pink slip, but the timing of it seems very weird to me too. But well, they just endorsed him too, like three a couple weeks ago. Two, yeah, a couple yeah. three weeks ago, Kim Pagula goes on. Oh, Jason Botterell's our GM, you know, and all this stuff. And listen, Jason Botterell was given a five year project. That's really what he should have been given. Mm. He was given two years to get five years worth done. He's not Superman, right. and you're going to make some mistakes along the way. Heck, Doug Armstrong who we believe is one of the best in the league. He's made mistakes. Yeah. You know he has. Mm-hmm. We he, we could bring him out. We could talk about him. But you have to be given a little bit of leash sometimes and you're going to get the the bad with the good, the good with the bad. That's part of the whole thing. So, but the Sabres had a 5-year rebuild that they really needed to do and they stopped it too and now they still have 5 years to go on a rebuild and they're starting fresh with a whole new staff. So that organization Ooh. might be up to their knees in dog shit for a long time. Man, yeah, they're the ones that are going, ah, we don't have to play this year. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah, well, it's well, good. We'll decline. Yeah. I'm just glad to know I like the right Buffalo team up there, even though that's a party. Finally. Finally, <laughs> right? To be determined. <laughs> hey, hey. Settle down over there, Rivers. <laughs> Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango. It's the Last Minute Blues podcast. We're up on all the major directories. Share us uh, with your friends. Uh, tell, us, tell them to listen to us. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to have hockey to talk about soon. As always, let's go Blues, and thanks for listening. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring. After two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.